Let's talk with a lawyer extraordinaire, Jeff O'Brien. Uh, good morning, sir. And before we get to the judicial stuff, um, you know, I mean, any thoughts on any thoughts on what's happening to, to to the industry from 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 your perspective? And I know you've got you've got ties there as well. And just curious to get your thoughts, especially with the news that broke that Lori just unfortunately found out about. Yeah, well, you know, in full disclosure, it, it, in the early days of Wise Out of Brewers, I did do a little bit of work. Um, for them, so I probably know too much about their in, the internal workings of them. If I just leave it at that, but um, you know, most of my other clients, and I've got you know about fifty or sixty of them, um, are are doing okay. You know, I've got you know people that are buying canning lines and 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 having pretty okay years. Um, I would say the the breweries and distilleries have done better than. Um, the bars and restaurants. And I think it's particularly the bars and restaurants, you know, the single location places in outstate Minnesota. And I was just talking to a partner of mine yesterday. I think, I think the problem with the way it's been handled is there's, there's no real, it's this one size fits all plan. I think the governor is taking his one Minnesota philosophy a little bit too far because I think there's, there's ways to manage hot spots. I think there's ways to, you know, you look at uh, New York, even Governor Cuomo, who has had, a, I believe, a horrible response to this pandemic in large part, um, at least when it comes to bars and restaurants. Recently, they can the, current, the current restrictions are in New York City, you're closed. Outside of that, it's 50 percent capacity. So I think that one of the, the biggest issues is just the way that I don't think there's been a lot of, of creativity or, or imaginative thought put into how do we balance things? It's just using this industry as a pinata um, and just banging on it for for, for eight months now. Um, and in this latest round, there should have been some sort of a – if he was going to do a relief plan, they should have had that teed up before he shut everything down because there's a lot of people that are really hurting. Yeah. All right, let's dive into your expertise. We were uh, we were texting back and forth on this, and uh, you pointed to this Red State article, of which I'm going to uh, reference here. Associate Judge uh, Justice from the Supreme Court, Samuel Alito, issued a one-sentence decision uh, in deciding the outcome of the emergency application for injunctive relief in the case filed by the GOP Congressman Mike Kelly against the state of Pennsylvania and various state officials. Um, the application for injunctive relief presented uh, to Justice Alito and by him referred to the court as denied. They go on to say it's hard to decipher why this would be the outcome after he had given the state defendants five days to file a response to the emergency application. Uh, there also was this petition, which I hear is going to be um, filed this morning to get further clarification on why the court did this. Um, this is on top of the Texas lawsuit. Um, that it was filed also earlier in the day yesterday that is still there as well. So there's kind of a lot to unpack here, but let's start with the injunctive relief and what they actually issued yesterday. That was just to keep, to stop the certification, um, of Pennsylvania, the, the Pennsylvania certifying the election results to the Electoral College, correct? Yeah. So, you know, there's two different ways to get in front of the Supreme Court, or actually three different ways. There's there's original jurisdiction, and we'll talk about that with the Texas case. But then most of the time you're talking about an appeal from a, a circuit court of appeals, and you file a petition for a writ of certiorari. Um, here, this is a little di- different. This was an emergency petition filed uh, through the Third Circuit, and each justice has 
um, one or two uh, circuits that they're they're the associate justice over that that would receive those emergency applications. So Justice Alito is, is covers the third circuit. So that's why the the emergency petition was was directed towards him. And yet, when you're talking about an injunctive relief, you're talking you know you're talking about the asking the court to freeze some you know freeze something in place you know preserve the status quo. As I understand it, though. Um, the Pennsylvania did certify their votes. Um, and so I don't know what exactly that they were, that the court was being asked to enjoin. I believe it was to send the it. Certification already taken place. I believe it was the, it was the, the action of taking the certification and then sending it to Washington ahead of the electoral college voting. That's at least my understanding. I'm, and I honestly, I'm, you know, you're the lawyer, not me. I don't know exactly what that means, but I do remember reading that yesterday. That was actually the process of taking the certification and then moving it out of the state in preparation of the electoral college voting on the 14th. Yeah, and I recall from that or our discussion yesterday offline about that red state piece. Part of what what they were pointing out is at this point, the the uh, you know when you're talking about trying to enjoin the certification, most of the heavy lifting is already done. So it's kind of like, can they even at this point? It, would would it even have any effect of 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 stopping the you know the electors from from voting? Um, so I mean that's it's this one is a, was an interesting one this whole issue of the this was the constitutional question of the you know amending their you know, they changing their absentee voting rules when their absentee voting rules are in their state constitution and there's a process for amending their constitution and the supreme the state supreme court argued la, uh, latches un, you know un, unreasonable delay in filing the filing the case um, and the, this is the law that had. The, the provision in there that after, you know, you only had 180 days after uh, the law was enacted to challenge it. And I, as I understand it, it wasn't challenged. So um, you're these all these when you're challenging these these laws passed this year post-election, you're putting courts in the difficult position of, you know, it, the, their ruling could basically you have voters that voted follow in good faith following laws as they were changed and to throw them out now because of the in the the way that the laws were were changed is to take away their votes and i think courts have a tough time with that aside from any legal issue or constitutional analysis courts would look at that as a very drastic measure if everybody that participated in the election participated under the same rules, even if those rules were implemented in a way where they could be dismissed, the election happened, everybody participated, and everybody participated under the same rules. How how does a court go in there under those conditions and determine which ballots to toss and which ballots to keep? Well, the, the problem is that not every not every – we don't all – uh, vote under the same set well, of rules. if everybody in, in in a particular state like everybody in a particular state yeah if everybody in a particular state votes you know with the understanding of the rules um you know there's there's um then then it's it's it's, it's hard to say that some should be treated differently than others you know we had this issue here in the in in Minnesota with the the um 
the consent decree that the Secretary of State entered into that ultimately the Eighth Circuit uh, reversed and said you can't do it. And you remember that mad scramble with all the Democrat elected officials doing PSAs for three days, you know, in part, you know, telling everybody get your advocacy validated because we can't, we can't have, we don't have three days after the election to count them. Um, the question is why this wasn't, why that wasn't decided before the election, um, just like it was here. Okay, let's 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 unpack something further. So, this case, just really quick, um, some people have said like the Pennsylvania case is actually still alive, even though the there was the the denial of the application for the injunctive relief because we still have the issue, right? Because the uh, basically the Pennsylvania case was arguing the same thing that the Texas Attorney General case was, and that is the fact that in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, you had individuals and part of the government not a part of the legislature that the constitution says um is supposed to make up the rules for the state that went and changed the rules and so what i have here from newsmax jordan Sekulow, who's uh, an attorney for trump said the supreme court in the case of original jurisdiction Sekulow said will weigh the lawsuit's proposed remedy of the four state legislature legislatures seating new electors because of the electors clause was violated along with due process and equal protection. So, with that being said, is it possible that that Alito couldn't see the merits of not certifying, right, stopping the certification of the Pennsylvania um, votes moving forward, but because we have this pending Texas case that other red states now have signed on as plaintiffs, and it covers the same issue, but not just Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, that this case will move forward, and this is what the Supreme Court will now have a hearing on, hear arguments for, and then go and make a decision about. Well, two things. On the Pennsylvania case, as I understand it, there was not yet a petition for certiorari filed. So the, the, the plaintiffs in that case, can still do that. I heard they were going to do it this morning. I heard they were going to do that okay. first thing this morning. So it wouldn't be heard on an emergency basis. So the merits of the Pennsylvania case, you're correct. It could still be. They could still be decided. Of course, could be decided. You know, we have this this safe harbor deadline of today or yesterday for the electoral college being seated and you know coming up here. So the, the question is, have we reached the the the, the point of no return? Um, on, on bringing these legal challenges. So that's, that's Pennsylvania. With respect to the Texas case, um, that's an entirely different animal. And I, I understand the, um, the arguments that, you know, and I was reading through it, uh, yesterday, all 154 pages of the filing. Um, and it's, you know, it's an equal protection argument. Our state, you know, Texas Attorney General says, my state's votes uh, have been uh, diluted because these four states couldn't, you know, do things according to the Constitution, and now it's, you know, m- m- our voters aren't aren't, you know, getting their choice of candidate, basically, or their uh, president. Right. Um, my my concern there's a there's a line in that, you know, that that's the that's the equal protection argument, right? That that's how they say that they have the right to do this, you know, because every lawsuit you have to have standing to bring the case. And in this case, I, I, I don't know that the Supreme, the, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to say that Texas or any of these other states have standing 
to challenge how four, you know, these other four states carried out their elections. And I think you have to think here about what kind of a Pandora's box would be opened by that. Are we going to start having states suing each other over another, you know, how another state, you know, carries out, you know, conducts its, you know, its legal system or, you know, passes laws or, you know, let's say that someone gets upset because someone passes a gun law. Are, are we going to have states suing each other over that? I, I don't know that they're going to grant standing to these states, uh, attorney, attorneys general, to, to even hear this case. Now, they, they at least, they, they, they did give the other, the, the four states, I, I understand that they gave them um, a, a deadline of, uh, I think it's tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. yep. to, to respond. And I w- I'm guessing that those states are going to respond just like that. There's no standing to bring this. Can't we get to how? And 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 I thought this this is this is what it was about. Maybe I'm wrong, Jeff. And we're a little short on on time. But can't I mean ultimately? Don't we need to get the Supreme Court to rule on whether or not the states outside the legislature? can change the election laws. I mean, that's what this is about. The Constitution is explicit. It says that the, that the, you know, that the manner in which that a state conducts its election will be decided by the legislature. And isn't that, isn't that just the one question that we need to get answered by the Supreme Court? And why is, if that's the case, then why is it seemingly so difficult to get that answer? Um, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think if they ultimately do opine on this i don't know that it it follows that they're going to invalidate the votes in the states that 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 did this again you're asking the court to throw out you know the votes of people who in good faith follow the law um and i and i think that's and i and i and i think that's that's a that's a that's a tough ask so i don't know if they'll eventually if they will you know, they, they seem to be doing everything possible to stay out of it. And um, we'll see if they, you know, if they do ultimately say something, if they try to do it in a way that, um, you know, doesn't ultimately result with them saying the, the, vo- the, the, the votes in these four states don't count. Jeff O'Brien, lawyer extraordinaire. That is uh, your expertise and and your perspective is uh, is immeasurably invaluable, and we really appreciate you coming on the program. Thanks for having me on. Take care. We'll talk again soon.